This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Man, that's been a rough few years. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like I need a rest. I feel like I just need to sit down for a little while. You ever felt that way before? Uh, y'all remember 2020 is getting kicked off? I feel bad now looking back at it. Some of my pastor friends, they're like, this is 2020, the year of clarity. We can finally see 2020 vision for this year. Oh. Uh, we could not see. <laughs> we did not see. COVID, lockdowns, people losing their job, people getting sick. Um, the r- racial unrest following the death of George Floyd. Remarkably divisive political season and then it culminating in a very divisive election. And then it was 2021. Y'all remember, y'all know that there's something y'all getting. It's like, you can try this for 14 days. And if not, you can return it and get your money back. I remember 2021 was like, can I return this year and get my money back? I mean, it was just right out of the gate, you know, the January 6th insurrection, the inauguration. It was just like, where is this going? And then honestly, 2020, right? 2021. 2020 was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. We, we had to almost immediately change the playbook for how we were doing church. You know, we went from meeting really in person to almost exclusively meeting online. And there were some weeks that we worked collectively. I mean, like 70, 75, 80 hours during the week, just getting ready for the weekend. It was a lot of work, but it was not bad. As a matter of fact, throughout 2020, people were coming to know Jesus online. We had high numbers of engagement. But then 2021, just to be honest, it was soul crushing. There's stuff that happened throughout that year that was just tough. And it it wasn't just the stuff that was happening in the world, you know? That's one thing. But it was the stuff that was happening in relationships, stuff that was happening. Let me see if I can get this right. There we go. The stuff that was happening between people. We had people that were getting mad. Like, why are you, what, why, why are you mad about that? We, we lost several staff positions and it just was, it did not let up. And so a year ago, when it was 2020, 2022, it's like, ah, it's another year. What's this going to be like? Ah, I know what that is. Let's see if we can get that fixed. What's this going to be like? What's this new year going to be like? What's this? It's a whole new year. There's a lot of questions, a lot of worries, a lot of, is this thing going to stay the way it's been for the last few years? 
And you know, I want to answer that question when we were a year ago from not just the way that we typically try to do, which is trying to answer it from how you would deal with it. For, for once, let me just talk about it from how it is to be a senior pastor, okay? Um, 2020, 2021 were tough years. And so we started seeing last year in the data something emerged that is critical. As a matter of fact, look at this. This is from Barna, study that deals with really just pastoral and and. Christian stuff. So you find out that from January 2021 to March of 2022, the number of pastors who seriously considered leaving the ministry went from 29% to 42%. 42% of pastors at the beginning of last year are saying, I've looked at what they're paying the people at McDonald's. And I've tried to think, would that work for me? What else does my education leverage for me to do? What else could work? And you might be going, well, why would they be considering this? Because I'm just to be honest with you, throughout the last several years, I've, I've been willing to listen to other people talk about why what they're doing in life is so difficult. You're in the middle of a pandemic and you're a respiratory therapist to be honest with you, that was a tough season for your career. If you're a teacher, okay, you're a teacher, and it's the middle of all the shutdowns and teaching at home, that's a tough season. So why is it so tough now? Here's what pastors had to say. Look at this. Next slide. The immense stress of my job. I feel lonely and isolated. The current political divisions. I'm unhappy with the effect this role has had on my family. If I'm honest, a year ago we had a lot of questions. We had just ended what I would describe was a soul-rending year. And out of those questions, we didn't have a lot of answers. We had questions about our staff, questions about our facility, questions about how we would program and move forward. But I need you to hear what I'm about to say. God was remarkably faithful to us at Vortex in 2022. As a matter of fact, I'd go so far as to say that what God did in this church last year may be the best year we've ever had. Can I just, I'm just going to celebrate some of this stuff. We hired new staff from within our church. This is a dream of pastors to be able to go, hey, we have a position. I don't have to look outside and get resumes. God's already been raising up somebody from within us. We did that last year. We had positions, and we're like, hey, there's that person. There's a natural from within. Last year, we began strategically working with Children's Cup to resource Honduras. It was February. Honduras had been a lockdown for several years, and we'd started supporting Children's Cup in Honduras years before that, and we'd tried a few times to schedule a uh, vision trip, just to me get on the ground and see what we're doing. So I was able to finally get there in February of last year. 
to go to the care point, get face to face with the people that are leading it, see the kids, meet the kids. It's like, what do you need? What can we do to help you? And I found out that in Tegucigalpa, because of the weather, because of the climate, they've been struggling with water infrastructure. So they essentially have rolling blackouts for water. Imagine waking up tomorrow and you turn on the faucet, it's not working. So, so what do you need? Well, we need a water system that'll hold water when the water's actually on and we can then save good, clean water for when the water is off. How much will that cost? $2,000. Now, we already had the money. I could have easily said, oh, well, we got that. But something in my heart, just the Lord was like, don't tell them that it's taken care of yet. And I came home that Sunday and the Lord was like, hey, I want you to get up there and just ask, is there somebody here? Is there somebody in the room that you hear this need, you can take care of it, God has prompted you. And within just a few minutes of asking, we had the $2,000. By the time the second service was over that Sunday, we raised $15,000. We put in not only a water system at that care point, we put in a water system at two more care points. We put in a study center, we put in computers, we put in internet. And we put kids that are in that program through a post-secondary education that is discipleship-oriented. All of that happened in one moment. So remarkable. And there's still so much more to do. We have a team that just got back from spending over a week there. Last year, we saw significantly higher engagement metrics. If you know me, I love the numbers. I'm always looking at the numbers. I love statistics. I love what data is showing. And what happened last year is unprecedented in our history, statistically. Like our overseers would come in and look at our metrics and go, Kevin, you realize, I'm like, no, I know. I know that's unusual. I know that's just like off the charts. And it was, and it still is. And last year, when it comes to generosity for missions given, we gave over $130,000 to missions right here in this church in a community where the average per capita income is $29,000 a year and the average church budget is $150,000 a year. It's remarkable. 2022 was not easy, but it was not bad. And I've come to see this. Healthy is not easy. Some of y'all made a decision. It's a new year, new you. I'm going to get healthy this year. You're not going to get healthy if you keep doing what's easy. Healthy's not easy in your body. Healthy's not easy in your relationships. Healthy's not easy spiritually. You know, throughout this series and even into last fall, we've been looking at a simple story that Jesus tells at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew. It's three chapters of Jesus reorienting our hearts 
in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. And he's teaching them how to live out the kingdom of God. And then he wraps up the message, and we're going to look at it again today in Matthew 7. Look at this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He's saying, listen, go back to that one. If you take my, my teaching, I just showed you how to live this out. If you'll take that and put it into practice, it's like building your life on a strong foundation, okay? If you've paid attention, the title of this series has been Strong Foundation, all right? But then everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, just one last time, I'll make a few observations from this text for you. And the first one is this. God uses storms to reveal our true condition. God will use a storm in your life to show you how things really are. We get into good times and we're like, I love Jesus. I love serving. I love my church. I love reading my Bible. And then you hit a storm. You're like, I don't want to do any of that. Okay. We're starting to see what's really there. You hit a storm in a relationship and that falls and that falls. We're starting to see what's really there. I love this parable that Jesus tells these two builders. I like to imagine that they were neighbors. You know, like one's coming over. Hey, can I borrow your hammer? I broke the handle on my, it's getting fixed. Hey, you got any extra nails? We ran out. We're going to get some in the morning. You know, based on the architecture of their day, it's likely that these homes looked very similar from the outside. You can imagine they're learning from each other as they're building. I love what you did with your porch. It's so We're going to do that. Oh, I love the way you did that with the windows. I love that. We're going to do that too. They're learning from each other. And the truth is, it all looked the same until the storm came. It all looked the same. The houses looked the same until the storm came. And you can imagine the house built on the sand Starts to rain. Kids, y'all get inside. Get inside. Then all of a sudden, you know, the, the wife is going to notice that there's some things leaking. Harold, there's water coming in over here, Harold. Harold, what's going on? Comes crashing down and they're outside. In the middle of the rain. You, Harold, you remember? You made fun of them for digging that. Now look at us. Where you can imagine, right? Just mad outside the storm. Now look at us. See, there's a gift in a moment like that. There's a gift in a storm as it will show you what you truly have. And this is why some of us have been fooled. We bought into a lie. We look back on times before the storm and we say, no, I used to have that. No, you didn't. 
You believed the lie that you had that. And then the storm showed you what you really have. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 15. Actually, it's a brilliant parable about how we are connected to him. He begins with these two verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Imagine what it would feel like to be a branch that is being pruned. Why'd you cut that off? That hurts. I've been trying to grow that. Why, why'd you cut that off? That was actually working. The pruning is done. What, can you look at me? I look hideous. I look hideous right now. Only to a few months later be more fruitful than it's ever been. So the next time something in your life comes crashing down in the middle of a storm, you can thank God for it. Because what's happening is God is pruning your life. He's showing you what was real, what you really had. You can thank Him. God, thank you for showing me. See, storms expose what we really have. But then number two, to build stronger, we must continue to do the uncomfortable work. I want you to zero in on that phrase, the uncomfortable work. Now, if you think about the geography of where Jesus is, it's a hot and dry climate, it's not unlike maybe some of our rainless Julys without the humidity. Their soil is a lot like ours. You know, we have red clay. We're Stanley County. We're in the South. We got that red clay, okay? And when it rains and you've got red clay, how many of y'all ever send your kids outside in some white tennis shoes and they come back in looking orange? You ain't getting that out right? That's there forever. Because the soil, even though in the summer when it's baked and it gets so hard and you're like, God, this feels like a brick. Just a little water and its consistency changes. It's very similar to the soil where Jesus was at. Now, in the right conditions, the soil seemed like a suitable foundation. In the right conditions. You can imagine, right? Look at it. It's so, it hadn't rained in forever. This is, this is firm. This is strong. One of the builders, though, didn't think it was suitable. Digging down to bedrock through hardened soil was not easy. It was uncomfortable work. Can you imagine the neighbor who's building on the sand? George, 
What are y'all doing over there? Okay, we've already got we've already got a couple walls up over here. Seems like a lot of unnecessary work you're doing over there. It's awful lot of work. We're gonna be done here. See what was convenient seemed suitable until the storm came. You ever notice how convenience will lie to you? This is easy. This is convenient. It's accessible. This is comfortable. But we have to, in life, embrace the idea that we're going to have to, if we're going to be healthy, do some uncomfortable work. Some of you are struggling financially. You need financial peace. You need to sign up. I need a plan to get out of debt. I need to know how to budget. You need to sign up for that. Zach and Terry do a great job of leaning. You know why we're struggling? Because it's uncomfortable to live below your means. It's uncomfortable work to live below my means, to budget, to save. It's uncomfortable. It means saying no to a lot of good things so that I could say yes to what I ultimately want. Some of us are struggling emotionally. We wonder why. Why am I always so predisposed towards fear and worry and anxiety? Because it's uncomfortable to do the deep work to cultivate emotional maturity. It's uncomfortable to start diving into what are the issues on the inside. But that's good work. It's uncomfortable work, but it's good work. Some of us are struggling in our relationships. We're enabling and we're too harsh and we don't know like where the boundary is between that because it's uncomfortable to embrace grace and truth in relationships. And to get out of that discomfort, we find comfort in polarizing to one or the other. It's uncomfortable to live in the tension. But there's health in the middle of the tension. Some of us are struggling with our kids right now. You know why? Because it's uncomfortable to say no repeatedly to your kids. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to say, no, you don't need those gummies. You don't need any more gummies. You already had four packs of gummies today. You don't need more. My kids would eat all gummies all day long. But that's easy when they're five. But when they're 11, 12, 13, can I get a phone? 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 No. No, you can't. It's uncomfortable to keep saying no. Can I get an Instagram? Can I get an Instagram? Can I get an Instagram? No, you can't. And I'm saying no, not because I'm trying to keep you from something, but because I'm protecting you from something. Your soul is not ready to withstand the weight of what you have access to with that. It's uncomfortable to say no. Some of us are struggling in our relationship with God. I just wish God was closer. I'm so busy all day long. I've got these meetings from the time I wake up. It's this with the kids. It's always this. There's always something. It's uncomfortable to wake up an hour early 
to spend time with God. You may not have any control over your schedule, but you have control over when you wake up. And it's uncomfortable. Anybody got a recliner like this at home? Anybody? So anybody, raise your hand if you got one. It's like three of you. Y'all lying. The rest of y'all know I'm about to talk about it. Anybody got a recliner at home? Got a spot, got a, got a, a couch, got something, got, got your own recliner. It's comfy. It's your spot. You're just going to get, whoo. Oh, Lord Jesus. You go home in just a little bit, right? We're all going to do the same thing. We're going to get in our spot. Going to hit the recliner. Turn on the football game, right? You already ate lunch. Your belly's full. Oh, what? What happened? Take a nap. Be asleep for three hours. Not even know it. In some very real ways, we're living for that. To be comfortable. When a lot of us in this room were trying to find a model, something to identify the life we're building. For many of us, there's one right in front of our eyes. Instead of trying to build a life that looks like a big dining room table, I'm just inviting people in. Come, be a part of the family. Come, be a part of the family. Come, be a part. Instead of adding on a guest room to our house, just like, you know what? I've got that friend. They need somebody to walk with them through a difficult season. I'm going to be there with them. Instead of all of that, we're building a life that looks like a recliner. This is what we want our lives to look like. And what does that mean? It's comfortable. It's self-serving. And it does not require any sacrifice. It's called recliner syndrome. The desire, the dream to build a life that's just comfortable. I just want to be comfortable. I just want peace. I want to not stress about that and not stress about that and not, I just want to, oh. Why can't I have that? Just be practical for a moment. What happens to someone, and we've known people, they want to retire and go home and sit in their recliner. I'm going to have breakfast in my recliner. I'm going to have lunch in my recliner. I'm going to get every meal right here. I'm going to watch my shows, the news. I'm going to watch my movie. Everything's going to happen in the recliner. What happens when you sit in a recliner all day, every day? You get weak, then you get sick, and if it's left unaddressed, this thing will kill you. If you're taking notes, this is in your notes. Comfort is a slow death. Comfort is a slow death. You know, between year seven and year 10, 
a church that was planted typically stops growing. Why is that? It's comfortable is a slow death for a church. It's a slow death for a church. I realize now that it's just so easy to try to maintain what you have. Why we, We've done so much. We've achieved so much. We have so much more. It was so easy to risk everything when we had nothing. But to risk it now, it's not even the stuff. It's the people, the relationships. Why not just try to maintain? But comfortable is a slow death to a church. And here's why. Comfortable, it holds on to blessings, does not walk by faith, and plays it safe. And I've come to know this about where we are. We didn't get here playing it safe. And we won't get to where we need to go holding on to what God's already given us or living without faith. Faith is important. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and rewards everyone who searches for Him. Now leave that verse up there. We love the first part of that. It's quoted often. It's impossible to please God without faith. The reason that we often don't have faith. It's the very next thing. We must believe that God is real. For some of you, you've heard, you need to forgive them. They hurt you, they offended you, let it go, forgive. And what we do is, God, but what if they do it again? What if this, what are you saying? God, you're not real. You're not real. Give the first 10% of your increase. That's a tithe. Give it to the local church. But God, what if I do? I'm barely making it on 100% right now. How will it even work? No, do it. No, God, I can't. Is God real? Is God real? Because that's what faith says. Faith says, God, you said it. I'll do it. You're real. I trust you. And you need to hear me. At our church, we're going to continue to do the uncomfortable work of faith. I'm going to give you just a few things that go along with our vision. This is so exciting. I love where we are in the life of our church. Number one, we're going to continue to build a life-giving, gospel-centered church that changes generations. I look around this room, and there's some families in this room that your family is not the same today as you were when you walked in here the first time. Your kids are not the same, and their kids will not be the same. Generations will be changed because of what God has done here. But there's a realization in there that we're not building a church for us. We're building a church to hand off to the next generation. Which means if you're my age or older, I'm 45, y'all. This church ain't for you. Doesn't mean it's not for you right now. It's not going to meet your needs. But we're building a church to hand off to another generation. It's not about my preferences. 
It's not about what I like. It's not about how I want it to be. It's not, I miss the old days. No, what we're doing is creating a place to hand off to another generation. If you've ever taken any time to just inspect yourself, we need that. Generations need to change. As a matter of fact, next week, we're going to start a series called It's Probably Related. It's a series on family. And what you're going to find is that the stuff that you struggle with is probably related to your family. We're going to look specifically through the opening stories of the Old Testament and God is going to open some eyes to how to step into some freedom. You don't want to miss it. We're building a life-giving gospel-centered church that will change generations. Number two, we're going to raise up the next generation of leaders. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. If you look around the landscape of our church, you want to know what you see that you don't see a lot of places when it comes to church? Some young people leading. And I'm not talking about like 30, 35. I'm talking like early 20s. Even some teenagers. A year ago, we hired some very young people to step into some pretty big positions. And I thought, man, it's going to be awesome to have a 19-year-old on staff. They see the world differently. I don't even understand TikTok, but apparently they do. Then we hired a 19-year-old. And I realized, wow, this is way different than I thought it was going to be. I'm used to 40-year-old dude problems. They got a whole different set of problems they bring with them. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. We're going to raise up the next generation of leaders. That's uncomfortable work, but it is good work. Number three, we're going to be generous and make a difference in our world. Over $130,000 given to missions. That's churches being planted around our country. Today, we're planting a church in Charlotte. We're planting a church in the upstate in South Carolina. Over 1,000 churches planted already. This is almost 200 kids getting fed every single day at Nueva Suapa. This is... Girls who find out they're pregnant having a place to go in Stanley County. This is us helping an addict get the treatment. We're going to be generous and we're going to make a difference in our world. That is a core identity for who we are as a church. The world sees Jesus when his church is irrationally generous. That's who we're going to be. Number four. We are actively moving towards building a larger permanent campus. Don't you just look around. There ain't a lot of room in this room today. <laughs> Some of y'all feel that. Like, yeah, I know. I'm sitting next. I don't even know them, Kevin. <laughs> Why are you met, you're making me sit next to somebody I don't even know? It's uncomfortable. It's true, okay? And this is how it's been. This is what it's been like. And so... We are right now in the very opening stages of what it's going to look like. What, what's the plans? Working with architects, uh, working with contractors. Where are we going? What it, what's it going to be like? Why? Because there are more people just like you that need what God is doing here. 
It's important. Now, just to address our downtown campus, when are we going to open that up? Um, just so you can hear me say this, that is not off the table. Downtown right now is being used for everything. It's being used for student ministry, first Wednesdays, all of our meetings. But when we opened it up in 2022 for 10 weeks, what we found is that it stress tested our staff. There's certain positions that we will need to open it in a life-giving way. We're never gonna be the church that opens something going, I know that's gonna burn you out, we're gonna do it anyway. And so as those leaders grow into those positions, then it will leverage for us the opportunity to open it in a life-giving way. And that is the linchpin moving forward with that. I mean, we have the desire to plant campuses. As a matter of fact, that's number five. We will plant life-giving campuses throughout central North Carolina. If you want your heart to break, just one day, leave Albemarle and just type in Southern Pines and drive to Southern Pines. And then type in Asheboro and drive back to Asheboro and then drive back to our church. In central North Carolina, many of the towns that you would go through have not seen a new church in decades. Do not contain a life-giving, modern, gospel-centered church. There are tens of thousands of people who need what we have. There are families that are broken. There are addicts who need restoration and healing. And we have it to give. We've just got to get in the right position to get there. So you might be asking, what can I do to help? This is a beautiful vision. I love it. I want to be a part of this. What can I do? I want to be a part of that solution. I don't know what it is that I need to do. Well, it's real simple. Get out of the recliner. For too many of us, what we want is this right here. This is what we want in life. And instead of sitting in it, get out of it. Practically, what would that mean for you? Number one, don't hold on to God's blessings. Move from a closed fist to an open hand. What does that mean? Move from a closed fist, an open hand. God, I'm willing to receive whatever you want to put in my hands, but you can also take it out. A closed fist is I'm holding on. You ever tried to pry your kid's hands off of something? Like they're in the store and they're like, I want this toy. And you're like, you know, just let go of it. For some of you, that's how you are with God's blessings. I'm not giving up my time. Why would I show up early to serve and set up? I'm not going to give my money. For some of us, it's not even those things. It's our kids. And God's like, you need to get your hands off of them. They're my kids. Don't hold on to God's blessings. Move from a closed fist to an open hand. Number two, make faith, not fear, 
your primary filter for making decisions. There's too many of us that have argued ourselves out of obedience by saying, but what if? What would that look like? How could I? I don't know how that's all going to work out. It's fear. It's fear, not faith. And what did we learn earlier? It's impossible to have a life that pleases God if I'm not living by faith. Then number three, stop playing it safe. Stop playing it safe. To say we're going to move from this location to, which is portable into a permanent facility is not a safe move. It's really safe to just say, hey, let's just keep trying to do what we've been doing. And it's amazing. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, we've been portable for 10 years. That's like asking your best friends to come help you move in and move out every week, okay? And some of y'all have been so faithful to do that. It's a remarkably unsafe thing to say, hey, we're going to build a building, which means we're going to carry a mortgage. We're going to do all of these things. Why? Because the goal was never to get to a spot where it just had a bunch of people. The goal is to reach people and to see those that are broken and far away from God come close to Him and be healed, to live in relationship with Him. Years ago, I made an unsafe decision when God was birthing within me the desire to move back to Albemarle and plant a church. You want to know what? I had a good job. My wife had a good job, and we had a brand new baby. It was scary. And I had no guarantee that it would work out. And nobody saying, hey, I'll pay your salary if it all goes south. But I got to a point where I knew I'd rather fail at this than live with the what if. God has used that decision to impact many of you. I'm going to clearly say this. It was not me. It's not me. If you knew me and how stupid I can be, you would know that when you look at what God has done, it's so much of him. But many of you, your testimony would be, listen, I didn't know Jesus. Or I wasn't living right. Or this has changed my family. I don't know what it is, but for most of us, we would have that testimony. This church has changed me. And it all finds its origin in a decision that said, I'm not going to play it safe. So how many lives could be impacted by you? by your decision to say, I'm not going to play it safe. I've had to repent. And I've, if you've heard me tell the story, I've, I've had to repent multiple times just coming before God. God, apparently I saw this as being not as big as you've seen it. Forgive me. God, I never dreamed it would be that I doubted your ability. Forgive me. 
Because when I, 10 years ago, dreamed about what we could be, I didn't believe that it could be this. So I would venture to say the answer to that question for you is more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. If you'll get out of the recliner. If you'll get out. Think of it. This is exactly what Jesus did for you. Jesus was in heaven on his throne. And what do we know about the story of Jesus? That Jesus came to earth to become a human being where he became in human likeness as a man. Then to suffer death as the perfect sacrifice for you so that you could be made right with God. He left to be uncomfortable. He left worship and adoration the comfort of heaven to step into the discomfort of earth. And because of his decision, all of us have been leveraged an opportunity to step into right relationship with God. He showed us the way. All we have to do is follow him. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.